0: So our next episode, we have what I, who I call Dr. K, e. L. E.L. Cornegay, Dr. E.L. Cornegay. Dr. K is a dean of business school in the Chicago area, and he's also has a PhD in theology, ethics, and culture, and he's also an inspiring speaker. Dr. K, thank you so much for being on our podcast.
1: It's a pleasure to, to be able to join you today.
0: Great. So let's just dive right in. I'm always curious about – what inspires people to do what they do? And in your case, you have such an immense responsibility at your school and the things you do. What inspired you to actually want to give back, Dr. Okay. K? Was it something that happened in your childhood or during your, your young, young adult years or even as an adult?
1: I would say my young adult and adult years. Um, I've, I always have been one who um, uh, championed the underdog and, but never really saw myself as such, Right. And I think that, um, when that came full circle and I really saw, um, when I looked in the mirror and saw that I was operating as an underdog, it, uh, began to help to propel me, uh, to what I really call, you know, late life success, you know, with, uh, I was a non-traditional student, uh, you know, I kind of found myself out there in my early thirties, um, uh, a black man with, uh, a uh, high school diploma and a few college credits and and not much experience and 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 had to really um, listen listen uh, for the spirit of transformation uh, and what it was guiding me to do with my life to get it to where I would be able to not just overcome being an underdog but to be able to uh, reach back and help other people who are in that same position.
0: That's fascinating, and and tell me a little bit more about why you felt you, you are an underdog. I mean, you you're saying you never felt that way as, as a as a as a kid, but then at one point in your thirties, you felt that. Like what, what what How did you get that awareness?
1: <laughs> well, you, you know, um, it was running into uh, the challenges that come along with really trying to to come of age. And what I mean by coming of age is uh, once you uh, you leave home. Uh, you are left with the best lessons that, you know, life and the people that are around you teach you. But when it comes to the applications of those lessons, um, you know, they don't always uh, fit neatly. Mm-hmm. And and I think that a lot of people run into that. And so when we run into those kind of just the challenges of being human in the world and the systems that we're supposed to understand that assist us in in with our humanity and being integrated into the society um, in a very at a so that we can flourish, um, those lessons are are the ones that are hard learned. Um, And and so I found myself failing in multiple areas. Um, Just well underperforming, I would (laughs) say.
0: Pick one and, and what happened and, and
1: who helped you out. <laughs> well, I, I felt like um, I was really underperforming or that I had missed the mark um, just in terms of my life's direction, my professional development and what I saw for myself in terms of what I considered to be successful. And I kind of did a, a, I kind of did a, a, a return on my investment of where I was at that time and I, and I settled. I settled for what I had. I was like, okay, um, you know, I, I don't have the degree. I, I only have a few college credits. It doesn't look like I'm gonna go back to school. You know, I can work at this job another 10 years, maybe retire. Uh, it pays the bills. It, you know, it takes care of the kids. Um, okay. Well I settled right there. Mm-hmm. Uh um, but I made the most profound statement I made during in that moment of kind of reconciling where I was in my life and my age and I said well not my will but your will be done lord and mm-hmm. that was the turning point in my life
0: wow you know it reminds me have you heard of a woman named Diana Nyad?
1: Yes, I have. I've heard that name.
0: Yeah, so Diana's actually a a, a blessed to call her a friend and you know, she was 64 years old when she decided to do what was seemingly impossible, meaning she swam from Cuba to Miami, mm. 111 miles, 54 hours on her fourth attempt. Everyone thought she was crazy and she did it at age 64, but she is an example as, as are you. And I am comparing you with Diana because we always have that human spirit. And that's really inspiring for you to share that because I think a lot of our listeners sometimes do feel like an underdog. I op- absolutely do sometimes. And when you tell us and you remind us, you went from, okay, I have a Few college credits to now you're a PhD.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a great life lesson for us all to know. Now, who do you feel helped you along that path to, to really have that realization? So I know you're a man of faith, but was, was there a, someone in your life that helped you or it was more you just felt like you were divinely called?
1: Well, I see it as a divine call. Of course, mm-hmm. I was sur- surrounded by people who supported me. But it was a, a, a clear call uh, from the divine, from God, um, that set me on my path. It wasn't easy. Uh, and, and I mean that because, you know, I had to learn how to not make a good decision, but to make a best decision. And a best decision has pain in it, and it has, um, uh, you know, the uh, good piece. Dr. Hello. K? Hi, hi. Forgive me that it was a call that came in. Um, forgive oh. me, Chris. It, it was my boss. It was Dr. Winston. Um,
0: <laughs> okay. Well, Dr. Winston is being recorded now too. This is the, this is the fun of having a live podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um, I wanted to, I wanted to dive into that point. That's such a powerful way to say that you didn't want to make a good decision. You want to make the best decision and in best decisions you yeah, have, there is pain.
1: Yes, definitely. It's, it's how, how do you begin to manage your expectations and, um, and oftentimes the, the difficult or gut-wrenching decisions that come along with that um, in, in, because in your mind, it sounds like you're losing everything. It looks like you're losing everything, but you have to have the fortitude to understand that you're not losing it. You're just making things better so that when they come up again, you'll be able to be, you'll be the person that you need to be to be able to respond to the needs of the people that you're doing, making these sacrifices for.
0: That's phenomenal. Do you have some of the youth help along the way? Cause I know you said you're a director of rise and like, is there a specific person that you feel that and you don't have to even mention their name? It's just more of that, mm-hmm. their story. Like we had a, a client who who literally was homeless and he ended up somehow getting to the library. And he said it openly that, that library card saved his life because it gave him a whole world of different people, of leaders and of biographies mm-hmm. he never read about. So in your case, are there people that you've helped out that you can share their story?
1: Um, there are some that, that I can share, uh, especially when we talk about um, the men, the men who I encounter behind bars um, and many of them have dire cases and have lost hope. And, um, so we, I've, I've seen a couple of cases where we come in and we begin to interact. Um, and well, one of the, let me just back up a sec because one of uh, the ministers that I work with, he, the, the reason that I go in is he really, he really implored me to go in. He was like, they need to see you. No one, Mm -hmm. these men haven't seen anyone like you before. Mm -hmm. And, And of course, you know, I, I had, to be reminded of my underdog years yeah. um, and to be reminded of, of, of to remind myself of, of how that one spark, that, that one word, that, that one, that one window of opportunity when it opens what you have to, the kind of fortitude that it takes to, to step through it. And, and to understand that many of these things begin or all of them begin with you determining with your mouth uh, what you're going to confess over your life. Hmm. And, and so, of course, the men that we're working with are working against confession, right? They, they want them to confess to these crimes, to confess to these, these kinds of ideas about who it is that they are. And when we began to show them how to confess what, what the Word of God says about them, and and what they believe about themselves, their, their deepest and most precious vision of themselves. We've seen, we've seen cases be thrown out. We've seen, uh, I know I'm speaking generally now, uh, yeah. but there's this one young man who we encountered who was facing dire circumstances. He caught a hold of what we were saying to him. His case got thrown out. Now that young man, he came and saw us at, uh, at my job. He's, uh, he's got him a full-time job. Uh, he doesn't have any kind of parole. He doesn't have any, his case was completely, he was completely exonerated. Now he's in school, um, uh, in in a two-year school looking at transferring to a four-year university. And so it's amazing to, to just hear him, hear his story and to see him now.
0: Wow. That's great. That's very inspiring. Uh, we only have a few more minutes, but like What do you feel you you learn from some of your students, especially those that you see that are in prison? And obviously that is like the ultimate underdog, meaning a lot of things that we might perceive them as such they might not be just because of perception they are in Mm. prison, whether Mm. they did or did not do the crimes or based on their circumstances, not to excuse what they've done. But I have met many, many people that were formerly prisoners and you would never think that you'd want to talk to them, but I've met so many of them and they're like great people. Unfortunately, they had certain circumstances, but what do you feel you've learned from them relative to what you can share with our listeners?
1: Um, To not judge. Great, great. Uh, and 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 that's a difficult thing because judging is so subtle, Mm -hmm. Um, and to to understand the subtleties of being non-judgmental, how does that work and how does that look, and and to understand that it, I think that judgment always exposes something in your own heart, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily what's in that other person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, and so it's it's really. It's really a lesson in humility, knowing, you know, it's just a, 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 it, it's a lesson in humility uh, and, and a lesson in learning how to get the judgment out of your own heart.
0: Wow, that's that's powerful. You know, with that, we're going to end our interview. Dr. K, how can our listeners stay in touch with you? How can they learn more about your, your program or your, your, your speaking topics? How can they find you?
1: Oh well, great. Well, I do have a website, elcornegayphd.com. Uh, you can check in with me there and look at uh, look at my bio, look at uh, my speaking engagements, or uh, I've got a book that's uh, um, that you can purchase there. Uh, you can also contact me there um, uh, via email. Um, I'm on Twitter. I think I'm elcornegayphd uh, uh, on Twitter. Uh, same thing on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook, uh, uh, my EL Cornegate Jr. page. So um, please reach out. Uh, love to talk.
0: Great. Dr. K, thank you so much for being on our Gifters podcast. Have a great day.
1: And you too. Thank you so much.